Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Hello, we are back. Hi, Carol. We are back and ready to deliver. Ready to rock. The scary stories. (laughs) Yes. Halloween is coming, everybody. So you better be planning what your plans are for the month of October. We want to hear about your costume choices, uh, what kind of parties you're going to be throwing, what kind of scary movies you're going to be watching. Mm -hmm. We want to know all of it. That's right. We're going to live vicariously through you. That's right. Today, we're going to talk about haunted Hannibal, Missouri. What is going on in the town of Hannibal? I'm glad you asked, Carol. Um, The town of Hannibal, Missouri was developed in 1819 by a man named Moses Bates. He named the town Hannibal after a local creek, Hannibal Creek, even though the town sat directly beside the Mississippi River. By 1846, the town of Hannibal was the third largest town in Missouri, thanks in part to bringing the railroad to the town, which was organized by John M. Clemens, or better known as Samuel Clemens' father, who was better known by his pen name, Mark Twain. Mark Twain! Mark Twain. The Clemens settled in Hannibal when Samuel was a boy of three and became the place that Samuel would grow up and write some of his classic stories about, such as Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. As the railroads and steamboats proliferated throughout the area, the town of Hannibal grew, and by 1850, the town had over 2,000 residents. Today, the town of Hannibal, Missouri, has a population around 17,300. But the population is much higher, Carol, if you count all the ghosts in town. Oh, they don't count. (laughs) To start with, a little girl and Hannibal resident named Adeline Roach told her mother Stacy of a special friend she had named Shippa. Adeline said Shippa was a boy who wore jeans and had crazy hair. She <laughs> said they would play together and sometimes she would push him on the swing. Her mom, Stacy, didn't put too much stock into this. She just assumed that her daughter had an imaginary friend. Then one day, Stacy heard a whistling sound. She turned to her daughter and said, I didn't know you could whistle. Adeline said, I can't whistle. It was Shippa. That's when Stacy started to wonder if this imaginary friend wasn't so imaginary. Adeline told her mom that Shippa was nice, but he was mad. When her mother asked her why Shippa was mad, Adeline said, because Shippa wants to go to heaven, but he can't get there. Oh, no. When Stacy would have Adeline draw pictures of the family, Adeline would always include Shippa in the pictures, but she would draw him with a straight line for a mouth to indicate that he was not happy. Then one day, Stacy was looking through some photos that Adeline had taken with her curio or child's iPad, if you will. She came across one that looked like a white mist. Stacy was about to delete it, thinking that she just did a bumped photo or something. But yeah. Adeline stopped her and said, wait a minute, that's a photo of Shippa. When her mother looked back again, she could make out a face in the mist, oh. the eyes, nose and mouth. It's a creepy photo, and you can see it in the episode of Hometown Horror on Hannibal, Missouri. After seeing the photo, Stacy Googled Shippa and Hannibal, Missouri, and some interesting information came up. 
1967, three boys, Craig Dow and brothers Joel and Billy Hogue, went on an adventure hiking into the rural area of Hannibal. It was May 10th, and the boys were excited to take off. Their friend Gary was supposed to join them, but his mother told him he could not go as he had guitar lessons that afternoon. The boys never returned and were never heard from again. The town was aghast at what could have happened to them. But that is when they realized that the boys probably went down into the labyrinth of cave systems that were underneath the town. These caves were even written about by Mark Twain in his famous stories. It was believed that the boys went down into the caves and couldn't find their way back out and perished there. Stacy realized the photo of the face on her daughter's iPad looked a lot like one of the missing boys, Billy Hogue. The Hannibal cave systems are vast and are all over the underbelly of Hannibal. The caves are made of limestone, which can record the energy from past events and create paranormal type experiences, mm-hmm. as we've learned. Um, in the town of Hannibal, all sorts of strange hauntings have occurred. Store owners have seen items fly off the shelf, seen full body apparitions, heard strange sounds and disembodied voices. Arif Doggin was staying at the Garden House Bed and Breakfast in Hannibal. It was winter and the owner of the inn was out of town as the inn didn't get much business in the wintertime. Arif agreed to stay and watch it for the owner. Late at night, while Arif was trying to fall asleep, he heard distinct footsteps creeping up the stairs toward his bedroom. He knew he was alone in the inn, so he yelled out to the intruder, Take what you want and leave me alone. But the footsteps just grew louder and closer to him. He went to call the police, but the battery on his phone was dead, of course. Of course. (laughs) So he thought for sure he was in grave danger. He finally mustered the courage to get out of bed, and he grabbed a large glass bottle he had in the room. He flung open the door and flipped on the light. He saw nothing. Arif said, hello? And suddenly everything went quiet. There were no footsteps, no sounds of any kind. Arif looked around and found nothing. So he closed the door to his room, and a moment later, he heard those same footsteps again. This time, they were running down the stairs at full speed. Oh, wow. So Arif flew open his bedroom door, ran down the hallway to the stairs. He didn't see anyone, so he ran down the stairs and into the living room of the inn. There was no one there. He brushed the curtains aside to see if anyone was outside running from the house. Good thinking. And there wasn't. Even more disturbing, it was snowing outside and there were no footprints in the snow to the house or leaving the house. Hmm. Chris Bobeck, the owner of said garden house bed and breakfast, said he isn't surprised about Arif's experience. He too has had paranormal experiences at the inn. He said that when he would be alone in the inn, he could hear a sawing noise coming from the basement and violin music. Oh, violin music would be nice. He also said his guests had plenty of other strange stories of hauntings at the inn. They had seen indents on their bedding that made it look like somebody was sitting on their beds. And breakfast settings put out in the dining room the night before would be moved all around by the next morning. And when the Today Show traveled to the inn to record a segment for their show, none of their cameras would work, Hmm. which is another Mm -hmm. hallmark of a haunting. The inn was built in 1896 by a man named Albert Pettibone. However, Albert passed away in 1899, shortly after marrying. The next family to own the home also experienced tragedy when their three-year-old son died. Chris has a theory that the reason for Hannibal and his inn being so haunted is that spirits can travel easier over water and that this cave system underneath the town is filled with waterways, which can create an easy way for spirits to travel underground to any part of the town. Good theory. Waitresses and customers alike at one of Hannibal's local restaurants, Finn's Food and Spirits, have had many paranormal experiences. 
Waitress Rachel L. Tilbers said she saw a little girl in a white dressing gown with no shoes run from the patio at Finn's to the bathroom. She followed her into the bathroom. Once she reached the bathroom, she saw the little girl's muddy footprints on the floor leading to a bathroom stall. However, the door of the stall was opened, and when Rachel pushed the door even wider, there was nobody inside. After checking the rest of the bathroom, she returned to the dining area and asked her patrons if anyone else had seen this little girl. One woman confirmed that she had and oh, wow. accurately described the girl to Rachel. This helped Rachel know she wasn't crazy. Hannibal resident and bicycle shop owner Bobby Eldzier was attacked by a demonic presence in his shop. He said whatever he encountered pushed him to the ground and was speaking in a dark, gravelly voice. He woke up later face down in his bed. It made him leery about being alone in his shop. A few months later, he was working on a bicycle when he looked up to see a little girl in a white dressing gown watching him, just like the girl they had seen at Finn's. He watched her for a minute until she turned and walked away. This inspired Bobby to sage his building, but he said it really didn't do much to stop the paranormal events from happening. Chris Dolbear, Chris Dolbear, is his name, Chris Dolbear, it sounds crystal weird. Crystal bear? I, yeah, it sounds like crystal bear. So, <laughs> Chris Dolbear, a Mark Twain cave, as they call it, tour guide, feels like the caves below the town are definitely haunted. He said he always feels like there is somebody around him when he is in the cave alone, though he can never see anyone else there. One day, while giving a tour through the dark caves, one of the people on the tour said that there was a little girl in the back of the group. He went to look for the girl with his flashlight, but there was no one there. He looked down several different passageways, but found nothing. This happened to other tour guides on other tours, but they were never able to find this little girl. Chris believes he may know who this little girl might be. In the late 1840s, a man named Dr. McDowell moved to Hannibal. He was the head of a medical college in St. Louis. Dr. McDowell and his students were known for having a very sinister hobby. They liked to dig up freshly buried bodies for dissection purposes. So gross. <laughs> I know. Apparently, they felt this helped them learn more about the human body. Upon coming to Hannibal, Dr. McDowell indicated that he wanted to purchase one of Hannibal's caves. It was believed he wanted the cave to do more of these creepy postmortem experiments. He was interested in the caves because he believed that the temperature and humidity in the cave would petrify a body. However, while in Hannibal, Dr. McDowell's daughter became ill suddenly and passed away. The rumor goes that he took her body into the cave and placed it into a glass and bronze container. Then he filled the container with alcohol. What a freak. <laughs> he then suspended the container from the ceiling of the cave. His plan was to petrify her body. Mm. Uh, when he was out of town, however, the young children of Hannibal, hearing the rumors, would sneak down into the cave to seek out the body of Dr. McDowell's daughter. Amongst these children was a very young Mark Twain. When Dr. McDowell discovered that the children of Hannibal were intruding on his experiment, he removed his daughter's body and buried her in St. Louis. Could this little girl who haunts the town of Hannibal be the spirit of Dr. McDowell's daughter, whose soul was lost in the caves where her body was experimented on by her own father? Perhaps. Do they have pictures? Um, they have a picture of him, but I don't recall there being a picture of the daughter. When Mark Twain grew up and started writing, he wrote about his experiences in the caves. These stories eventually caused the town to name the cave the Mark Twain Cave in honor of his stories, and I'm sure to make a few tourist bucks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. 
Psychic Brittany Buckwalter, Adeline's mom, Stacy Roach, and tour guide Chris Dolbert went to the caves to see what they could pick up on. That name. Both Stacy and Brittany didn't like it down in the caves and felt thirsty. They wanted to leave. Stacy felt she could pick up the energy of the children who had disappeared in the caves many years before. However, Stacy can rest easy as Adeline no longer sees Shippa. One day when Adeline was looking for a toy, her mother suggested that perhaps Shippa took it. But Adeline just looked at her and said, no, Shippa left. He went to heaven. This made Stacy feel much better about her daughter's relationship with the ghost boy. Yeah. As for the rest of the town, they still feel and sense the spirits of the past. Hannibal's Main Street used to be Hannibal's red light district back in the day. The townspeople swear they can still hear the sounds and the commotion from Hannibal's early days when traversing Main Street. They can hear ragtime piano music playing, and they capture photos of orbs on their cameras. Not to mention the town of Hannibal offers haunted tours of their town, which has many a tourist claiming to have dowsing rods spinning in their hands and successfully recording electronic voice phenomena and seeing hints of full-body apparitions in some of Hannibal's old graveyards. I'm sure if Mark Twain could see it today, he would still have a soft spot in his heart for his childhood town. Perhaps his spirit still walks the streets there to this day. And that is Hannibal, Missouri. Today, I am going to delve into a controversial subject proposed by the late Dolores Cannon. She was a new thought leader, hypnotherapist, and medium who wrote several books regarding the nature of the human soul, the afterlife, and reincarnation. And Holly um, was curious when she died, and it looks like she died in 2014. Yeah. Yeah, so... She studied thousands of cases regarding regression, hypnosis, and conducted many sessions herself. Dolores, a retired Navy wife, only began her work in her 50s and claimed to have received channeled information from Nostradamus through sessions of hypnotherapy with a subject. Many people who are fans of the paranormal have heard of her because it seems she had an authentic way to access the truth about how the world operates on the spiritual plane. Okay. Cannon put many people through the deepest level of hypnosis, and hundreds of her patients told her identical answers to her questions regarding other dimensions, our higher selves, and the duality of good and evil forces. One of her main conclusions that many have accepted as plausible is that we construct our own reality, and nothing wow. really exists until you create it or see it. I agree with that. Yes, much like a video game where a player moves across the screens, the game loads and becomes visible based on the choices the character makes, and it only utilizes those screens to conserve energy, etc., etc. One of her highly debated theories, though, is that our world is filled with backdrop people, where there is filler or place settings in a scene. According to Dolores Cannon, these backdrop people are just manifestations of pure energy but don't actually have purpose other than to have a brief interaction with us and therefore lack souls and have no auras. Backdrop people have no free will and typically don't interact with us unless we directly choose to engage with them. This topic got her a lot of hate mail and has been hotly discussed for many years as to what she really meant or if somehow she misinterpreted the information she was hearing because it is kind of a messed up way of viewing others and dehumanizes people. Encouraging a lack of empathy towards others they perceive as less than the main characters of life. Hmm. Well, if our, you know, 
reality is something we create, every movie does need extras, right? But did she really mean to promote this type of thinking? Questions have been asked like, do the background people know they are background? On this topic, over 7.5 billion people, how many are main characters? Well, she said about 150,000 total humans have souls. So the chances that you and I are background characters are pretty high then. Wow. And that would explain why I feel like a hamster on a wheel every day. (laughs) And why I have trouble remembering what I ate or did a week ago. Who are the 150,000 people who are actually here having a real life experience? Yeah. (laughs) The 1%. Interesting. (laughs) Maybe. Um, But with all kidding aside, can you imagine walking down a street and thinking, ah, dang, I wish I hadn't wished for more patience the other day because now I created all these people standing in line before me at Starbucks. Oh, yeah. I don't know why we would ever consciously want to create a more full looking world when we all love those days when our commute time is cut in half and the noise level is quiet enough that we can hear birds again. But Cannon said that during past life regressions, many of her subjects could not recall any memories of past lives other than just seeing spiritual energy or some sort of void in space. Some of these sessions would involve viewing past lives as a watcher of other people, but not a description of their own past life. So are they technically here to just observe and report findings for an unknown reason? There are strong beliefs that each human also has divine guides sent to help and gently push us into certain directions or create the drama that we need. But Dolores and many proponents of this theory state, no, backdrop people are not guides or there for us to interact with and vice versa. This concept has been shown now in many movies like The Matrix and The Truman Show. Mm. Quantum physics has proposed that our universe is merely holographic or Mm -hmm. possibly designed as a code in a simulation type reality. Mm -hmm. Our mind is only seeing a mere fraction of what is actually happening. It is much like a fish in a fishbowl or a pond not realizing there are oceans out there. Perhaps a part of your soul has splintered off and is playing a bit part in someone else's movie. If you think of a tree and its leaves falling off and blowing in the wind just because the leaf is now interacting with a bush or carried along in someone's hair, doesn't mean it is less of a tree, does it? Mm -mm. It is just playing a small part as a small essence of itself in a different form. Well, yes and no. We don't give the leaf or branch nearly as much importance as we would Let's say if someone trampled the leaf versus trampling over a big tree. Mm. And some people like the idea of extras fulfilling a certain role because it excuses certain behaviors and can be viewed as, well, they aren't evil if they're just acting out the role of thief so I can overcome my attachment to material things. Mm. But if we are writing into our lives characters, then it would be plausible the happy person on the street who is sending out a loving energy might also be a background player just to change the energy in our daily environment. We would never know unless we directly interacted though, would we? And if we did choose to interact, would they then become a main player to us? The answer to that question is a big no, because if you think life is a game of levels and earth is a school of soul growth and evolution, then Well, it would make sense that you can only interact with souls who have a need to learn and grow just like you do. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I really hate this concept because it's so confusing and weird. Mm. I really don't like the interpretation that Cannon gave for these recorded sessions. Hmm. I think sometimes under hypnosis, we still may try to block out our past lives. I had that experience where I really struggled with it. And maybe, um, you know, we should just classify these sessions as a failed regression. Cannon only, though, worked with clients who had what is known as somnambulism. And this is the deepest level of hypnosis where they had the ability to have their conscious mind completely shut down. True somnambulists are very, very rare. Many of her sessions had information relayed that the person was only experiencing the first lifetime on Earth, but the rest of their existence took form in another dimension, perhaps even on different planets. Hmm. People who had relayed this kind of experience were later referred to as star people. But Dolores, later in her life, expanded on this definition in her book, Legacy from the Stars, claiming that we are all children of the stars, and in the history of the cosmos, Earth is just a very young planet. But our souls have been in existence forever and will continue into eternity. You can read more about her research into the subject of backdrop people in Canon's book, Convoluted Universe, Book 4. Hmm. Here's an example of just one of the sessions she recorded. Maybe we can see a different conclusion or theory based on the information. Dolores questions about who they are. Mm -hmm. And the subject answers, they didn't choose. They're just here to be part of the backdrop. They're slaves. They're slaves that go from one star system to the next, and they are used as a backdrop. Cannon then states, just to be there for these people with a purpose. And the subject answers, yes. For you to learn to stay on your path, you have to have these other people in your way, living beside you. But you're here for a lesson, and they're here for the backdrop. Cannon then, in my opinion, has a leading question, which all good interviewers know is a big no-no to do that while a subject is already suggestible under hypnosis. Mm. She asks, yes, but sometimes they create problems to try to pull you off your path. Yes, answers the patient. Dolores, trying to understand, asks another question. Is that part of their purpose to distract you? Yes, answers the patient. Dolores again tries to fill in the gap of information by asking, but when you're in your body, you don't know all these things, do you? And the subject answers, not all beings are light source. Not all beings are the light source. They're just here as energy to help us with our lessons, to create chaos or to work or just to live. Certain beings go to learn the lessons for the light source. It's like you're just a higher being than they are. End quote. Then Canon asks, then the other ones, they don't evolve to become higher beings. And the subject answers her, no, they're just energy, like making a movie where they use extras. I don't know. I don't know if I'm on board with it. Yeah, it's hard to handle. Yeah. Some people who have claimed similar knowledge and messages while channeling or meditating state that the word slave is more like a reference to them being made or programmed to be on a loop or specific role much like staying true to a specific route. The backdrop people will manifest as a thought form that you can see when you are in the vicinity of their map and disappear from your field when you leave. Backdrop people are described as the person who just passes you by on the street, but who you barely register their existence. Nothing dramatic about them stands out to you or calls for your attention. 
This concept to me is possible because after all, we don't question how our mind creates a whole new reality for us while we're sleeping and then disappears when we wake up in the morning. True. Yeah, when we're dreaming, in most cases, we aren't lucid and questioning whether they're real people or not. And when we wake up, they are non-sequential characters that only played a part in our dreams. Mm. So I think where we get really weirded out is the fact that we're thinking these are real people. And essentially, like we have no way of determining that because if they are part of it, it's our thought form that created it. Right. But we shouldn't interact with them anyway. And to us, like the only people we would interact with are real people anyway. Sure. So to me, it's like you're not ever going to really affect that person anyway. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're a real person. I read a story where one guy who worked out at a gym was annoyed by a girl whose energy was disruptive with his workout. She was loud and social and he didn't like interacting with her beyond just a simple hi when he was at the gym. After hearing about this concept, he tried, well, you know, I can create my world. He tried thinking of her as a backdrop person. And within a week, she was gone. Yeah. <laughs> she wow. never. Yeah. She never came back at the time he was working out. Did she disappear because she was a backdrop person and he suspected her as being one? Or was it just a coincidence? I personally believe if you are noticing someone and their energy is affecting you, they are definitely a real human. It is the cases where your attention is not called to an individual and therefore is truly a non-material matter for you to ponder. When you get to thinking about if someone is real or not is where you really get into touchy subjects like psychosis. Mm -hmm. It is borderline dangerous to start thinking about people in this way. I mean, think about plain lady. That's right. The guy next yeah. to her is a shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, I think it is strange in that one session where the subject talks about the backdrop person is only there for the backdrop. What do you think they mean by that? What does the backdrop provide for them? There's like a there's like a building in a place that you walk by every day. You don't really pay much attention to it. It's just part of the, the set, set dressing. The yeah. set design. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. weird. And that's strange. Yeah. So I've heard other theories too that backdrop people do have souls since we're all chips off the old source despite what the subject said on the matter mm -hmm. we're all a bit of stardust right mm -hmm. so perhaps some souls do have more or less of a role needing just a bit of an experience coming into life as a tourist or an observer that could explain a lot of the regressions saying that they observe past lives third person by watching okay perhaps they are popping by in and out and off to other planets or dimensions to get a taste of what they would like to do in their next incarnation. If you buy into that, we can create thought forms, perhaps at one time, instead of backdrop people. Maybe we were um, creating thought form or backdrop creatures like unicorns oh, or oh, dinosaurs yeah. or big Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. But those are now all gone from our consciousness, but still is a residue of the collective. Mm-hmm. Now we will all be surrounded by robots. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> in, in Journey of the Souls uh, by Michael Newton. He's an author of. Yeah, of, I yeah. think I've read some of those books. It is said that groups of souls incarnate together, but sometimes certain souls will have a more supportive role to play or a more dramatic life based on what we agreed to before we were born. I love reading through the forums on Reddit about these questions on the backdrop people and people's ideas on the subject. One person who goes by Ice Rom posted, 
Sounds like a big ego take to me. Some people are only around in order to prop you and me up. No, everyone is here for a reason. I think the most bitter response on this matter was from someone who goes by the handle GS1000, who posts that we all come into the world with certain limitations. A person born in Haiti might not have the same opportunities for growth and learning as someone born in Canada. Seven billion people living beneath a standard of living so drastic compared to the one billion who live in comfort. Maybe the majority of the planet is just here for a small club of elites who are the main players, the ones who can actually play by their own rules. Forum board posters generally agree that everyone, despite their circumstances and limitations, have their own trials, so nobody's challenges should be viewed as trivial or easier than anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Earth school is hard for everyone. Yeah. Period. Yeah. In an interview with Dolores Cannon, she did later change her own perspective with all the controversy on, you know, what her original subjects described as a backdrop person, mm-hmm. saying, we can come to Earth and play just a small role or help someone else's soul growth as the focus of our time in some incarnations rather than working on your own stuff. But to me, that wouldn't mean you are a backdrop person because you obviously would not just leave your soul behind, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think even she's confused about the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a big discussion in the recent years um, have been about inner dialogue and those humans who say they don't have one. A lot of abstract thinkers say they don't hear words in their heads uh-huh. from their thoughts, but instead they just see images or they just have a lot more spontaneous decisions or downloads. Okay. I think most everyone can have a discussion with themselves or the ability to do so. But scientists say a very, very small percentage of the population don't have one. The rest of us are divided into two groups. Those who can control that inner dialogue and only occasionally use it when working out a stressful situation. And then those people whose voice runs on autopilot, constantly on go, playing in their head 24 hours a day. (laughs) And I call that the monkey mind. Mm -hmm. But some people say those without internal dialogue at all are the backdrop people. YouTube personality Aaron Doughty has a video where he tells you how to know if you are a backdrop person. If you are listening or watching his video, you are not a backdrop person, he said, because I guess only spiritual people would be tuning into him. Essentially, his video states it doesn't really matter who is and who isn't. The only cool thing about the idea of backdrop people is that you can look at the construct of our reality and maybe view it very differently. Um, like the world was tailor-made for us to play out our experiences for soul growth as a lead character in our own thought form movie. He has a very big following and some great ideas and concepts regarding metaphysics and spirituality, but I was kind of let down by the absence of signs. I really tuned in because I wanted to know the signs. So guess what? I created my own list. Even though it doesn't matter, I, I created one. Okay. Number one. Do you walk around and people just bump into you acting like they are surprised you were standing there (laughs) or somehow you got in their way? Yeah. Uh That's a sign. Okay. Number two, do your kids act like they don't hear what you say to them or your spouse? (laughs) You are probably a background person then, at least to them in their world. Number three, do dogs and cats ignore you? Or better yet, do they tilt their head while looking at you? Hmm. Yeah, even they are not sure you have a soul. (laughs) 
Number four, have you not discovered your life purpose and you are in your mid to late 50s? <laughs> you could be a backdrop person for sure. Number five, does all the action happen around you but not to you? <laughs> Do you feel like time moves differently for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You might be one. Huh. Number six, everyone forgets your birthday. And I mean, everyone, that's <laughs> a really big sign. Mm. Number seven, a good day for you is people watching from a park bench. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Think about that. Yeah. That's that's that probably should be number one sign. Number eight, this is a major sign. You don't have much empathy for others and you lack passion for pretty much anything and everyone. <laughs> if you're just a cat oh person, gosh. you might just be a background person. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crossing the line, Carol. Uh, right, now right. I am passionate uh, about something. Okay, you definitely are now. You're waking <laughs> up, people. She's waking up. <laughs> Number nine, you sleep more than other people, like 10 to 12 hours a day. Oh, my God. Number 10, you prefer being alone most of the time. Hmm. Well, that's most uh, most people <laughs> these days. <laughs> no, number 11, you don't change your routine much, preferring just to eat at the same restaurant, <laughs> ordering the same food, driving the same route, staying at the same damn boring job. <laughs> you just are a very boring person. <laughs> Uh, Boring and depressed. You know how many friends that remember your birthday? (laughs) Number 12. Doctors tell you there's nothing wrong with you, even though you feel empty and soulless. (laughs) (laughs) Number 13. Spirituality has no value in your life. Well, except ghosts. You can really relate to ghosts for some reason. (laughs) Number 14. You literally tell yourself you like to blend in with the crowds and follow the pack wherever they're headed. And number 15, your favorite item of clothing is a hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) Uh, Okay, guys. Now, remember, we all probably have one or two of these signs. But if you have over half of these signs. You're in trouble. You're you're. You're, you're on this planet to, you're a soulless to play a specific <laughs> role for someone else, I'm afraid. And uh, I forgot where I read about this, but, you know, some psychics were discussing auras and realizing that there are rare cases when they cannot detect any aura around a person. Hmm. This is very alarming because no living thing, being or creature can be without an aura. Scientists have confirmed that humans, every single human, will emit very low levels of visible light. And most organisms will also emit a glow as a result of biochemical reactions involving free radicals. In fact, there have been photographs taken to show that there are certain areas of the body that radiate more light than on other areas of the body. Namely, around the head and the face area. Which is why we've seen in ancient times and many photos depicting a halo. Yes. Or a divine presence. Right. And psychics say this is an electromagnetic field that can be represented by various colors and have certain meanings. Colors like black can represent illness within the body or having psychological or emotional trauma. Hmm. It basically means a whole lot of negative energy is being held in the body. The color of your aura can change over time, but it was thought to be impossible for a person not to have a color associated with the field. Even white can be seen uh, by psychics who who are sensitive to the aura. Do you ever see auras? I don't. Do you? No, not as an adult. I think as a kid I could see them. I don't ever remember if I could or not. I don't think I did. 
So the theories run wild that in cases where someone trained in seeing an aura who can't find one in a person might suggest, drumroll, that person is a backdrop person. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe a clone. Other theories say an alien is disguising as a human avatar and so on and so forth. So, but, you know, I think we can add that one to our list also of signs. Sure. But aura. But in conclusion, it probably isn't a good idea to question if a human is real or not. Because, you know, it just is creepy to like be looking at somebody and thinking. <laughs> You're just a backdrop person. You're you not aren't, real. You aren't. Uh, you have no soul You or aren't purpose. a major player in my life. <laughs> be gone. Be gone, yeah. character. Go away. <laughs> yeah. And if scientists do prove that reality is indeed just a simulation, then the wizard behind the curtain will have to explain everything to us because, you know, the gig is now up. We're no longer asleep. Mm, and wow. that is my story That's of the backdrop people. very good. If it doesn't record us, it might mean that we're backdrop people. <sighs> we're backdrop people. people. That's probably the problem we're having with technology lately. That was really interesting. I've never yeah. heard that theory before. And um, now I'm going to change the way I see every person in my life. No, no, you're not. <laughs> I do want to read her book, though, on mm. that. Because in just that brief example, she really leads people in her questions, yeah. she yeah. states what she thinks and then says, is that right? And then they're like, oh, yeah. And then they're like, yeah. I'm sure. It's like you're you're yeah. suggesting a person that's already in a very suggestible, mm-hmm. vulnerable state and then saying that's evidence. I wonder if she talks to that in her book and says something like, well, I asked him this way because blah, blah, blah. Or I don't know. Or maybe we're only seeing a certain part of the whole the whole thing. thing and she's referring to other things that were said and then bringing that mm-hmm. in to her next question what was it that could be too um it was something number four the convoluted universe book four the convoluted universe book four by dolores cannon all right well interesting everybody should check that out and find out what's going on with backdrop people yeah and if you are a backdrop person i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) you can take carol's list of helpful hints to figure out if take her quiz see if you're one of them (laughs) Just don't ride any planes. You yeah, don't want right. to cause <laughs> don't problems. Don't shift in front of anybody. Definitely don't do that. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, people. All right. Good night. Hold on a second. <coughs> Got a little frog in my throat. Ribbit. La, 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 la. <laughs> okay. Even though the town said directly, <clears throat> nope where they can hear the sounds and the commotion from Hannibal's early days when traversing <laughs> God damn it. We had some good old fashioned fuckery happening. <laughs> My script was going and beeping off the planet and I thought I was getting like eliminated as a backdrop person. <laughs> as the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.